car quicks. You're probably listening in and you're asking yourself, why does this man sound like he's under the bus in the luggage compartment? Where is he going? And how dare he start this episode sounding like he's in the middle of a trunk? But see, that's the point. There's a very good reason why I sound like this. And that's because we're behind the wheel of the GR Corolla. That's right, boys and girls. It's happened. It's come true. The fruition of my thoughts is now between my hands. Okay, I'm driving, I'm shifting, it feels good. It's all white in color, black interior. It's simple. Let's, you know, give my quick little takes. I've been in the car right now for 294 miles. Nothing crazy. Just a short amount of time. I picked it up a couple hours away from where I live. So, I don't have that much time in the car. I'm currently driving back home. You know, we're doing the break-in. I haven't been able to jump into the power or anything like that. As you can see, you probably heard a truck go by. Now... I know there's a couple schools of thought when it comes to the break-in or the people, old school heads, jump in the car, redline it, do a couple gears. They say, break it in. How are you going to drive the car? Other people's baby. And I don't know because I'm not an engineer and I'm not breaking this motor down to find out if I broke it in properly. I'm going to do my best. And my best right now is keeping it not all the way at a certain speed for a prolonged period of time, but try to mix it up a bit as I can. The path I'm taking home cuts me through some small towns, so I get to like at least go through the gears a little bit and have more of a rev range in what I'm doing. So I'm gonna do that more. When I get back home, I'll take the more scenic routes and we'll get this broken into the 600 and some odd miles you gotta do to break it in. Then we're gonna do an oil change because that's just how I'm gonna do it. And then we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the fun. But in the meantime, let's talk about how this car is. All right. Now, yes, I still sound like I'm in the car, so please don't judge how you hear this. There's only so much I can do with a pair of AirPods and a microphone. You know, beggars can't be choosers. But let's talk about the car so far. I have had it for about 295 miles. Now here's my review. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I haven't even done anything in the car. I've literally sat in the car and I probably know more about how good the cup holders are because it was holding a large water from Chick-fil-A inside of the cup holder. And it was holding a Fiji water inside of the door card, the small bottle. So I know it can hold that because who doesn't like Fiji water? And... It had, I had a monster somewhere around here in one of the other cup holders. So, as far as the review for cup holders, it's holding the cups. And it's holding them well. So, there we go. Now, when I bought the car, it came with this connectivity pack package that was already thrown in there. Let me just tell you straight out the gate. Overpriced USB cables. For some odd reason, there was no Type-C to lightning port cables. We're not going to get into my tech size kicking in. I have a charger hooked on, so it's cool. Some of the controversy of the no armrest, I'ma keep it a thousand. The no armrest is whack. I don't care what anybody says. I know there's a school of thought that people say, you don't need an armrest, you're too busy shifting gears. Well, you know, there's this thing called a road trip or highway driving when you're not necessarily shifting gears to get to the apex, so you might rest your arm somewhere. And an armrest would have been nice. This car doesn't have one. There's a few people online who are saying they're coming up with solutions. And guess what? I'm copping one of them. Because, yeah, there's no armrest business. It ain't fly. I don't I don't care anybody tells me. It's not cool. I'm a tall person, though. But so far, I'm comfortable in the car. I'm 6'3", so 6'3", 200-something pounds. I'm a big guy. So everything's comfortable for me. I can fit here. I can fit in the seat. Seat is comfortable. Cloth seat so far. All I really can review is the interior of this car to a certain standpoint. We got wireless CarPlay. I appreciate the wireless CarPlay because I have a new Toyota Sienna, or my wife does, and that has wired CarPlay. And so this is a lot better than having to plug in a wire. We got wireless charger. The wireless charger is cool. It does what it does. It's kind of finicky, more so than the one in our 2022 Sienna because it 
periodically flashing at me saying it's not charging anymore, but it does what it's supposed to do. It's essentially to keep your phone topped up. If your phone is about dead, you want to get yourself a fast car charger because the wireless one is only going to keep it alive oh so long, or it's only going to give it a small percentage of juice if you're going for a short drive, so keep that in mind. The shifter, it feels lovely. It's a notchy shifter. I love notchy shifters. I plan to take it even further. I'm probably going to get something aftermarket to get even notchier, have it a taller hand, you know, a taller, I'm saying stalk, but you know, wherever you put the shift knob, obviously I want to make it taller. I want to even maybe get a heavier shift knob. I like the feeling of shifts that are notchy and very direct. Some people don't. I love it. I love how it feels. As I said, power-wise, I haven't gotten into it. The car sounds great. It reminds me so much of my old WRX. This car is that. The interior is simple. There's hard plastic places. I know some people are going to cry and say, yo, the, the, the WRX interior is better when you have the higher trim. It, it is, but that is all subjective. Some people might think about luxury cars or other cars at a price point, but when it comes to the Corolla GR, the GR Corolla, I'm taking this over the WRX, the Elantra N, the Nissan Z, whatever it may be in this category, the Type R, the Veloster N. I like this better. I just, it answers something that I've always liked, where it's this fun street car that you could throw around in the corners. That's what it, that's how it talks to me. I don't know how it's going to perform in those scenarios, but when I saw the GR Corolla, it, it reminded me of that, that era of the Subaru WRX hatchback, these very throwable, fun-living, daily driver cars, but this one has the chops to even perform even higher. I have the performance pack with it, so you know I got the red calipers, but the main part of the performance pack is you get the LSDs. Do I know how they function at this point in time? No, only got 300 miles on the car, so I don't know, but we're going to get to it, you know? There is a point in time when I'm going to go to HPDE track events. I'm going to learn how the car drives and performs in stock form. And then we're going to be off to the races later when the warranty's done to get to the modifications. And by that time, Tokyo Auto Salon probably already showed me all the GR parts you already know. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm headed. I've already talked about it on the last episode. But here now, as I drive in this very loud recording, so far this feels great. I can't complain. This is probably one of the best vehicles I've driven or felt in a, in a number of times. And we're gonna get further into it, but for now, as I drive, it feels great. This car is fun so far. I've had a very limited time, but we're gonna get further into it. So this is just a little brief intro. Welcome to the episode. Let's get into it. Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Back again. Episode 5. Episode 5. Consistent. Maybe not this week. This week, I came in a little bit later, but we're here now. It's good to hear everybody. Good to be here. Another blessed week. Another, you know, non-complaining week. Everybody's good. Family's good. Life is well. Hope you're doing well out there too. Let's get into this episode. This is an exciting one. This is a good one. This is a good one. I've been waiting a while for this. You hear my hands rubbing together. That is a sound of excitement. You see the title? Thousand Miles in a GR Corolla. Because why? Because I finally, finally have it in my possession. It has been a good, solid year of me talking about this car not on a podcast, obviously, because I didn't have a podcast before this, but talking to friends, family, co-workers, forums, Facebook, watching YouTube videos of people driving the car, in the car, 
looking at the car, reviewing the car, I mean, every little thing, every little morsel of information about the GR Corolla, I was there front and center. And now I am front and center to the steering wheel. This is magnificence, okay? I love it. This is a great, I mean, this is just, you know, it's just interesting because whenever you, like, go to try to acquire something that you really want, there's also, like, this fear of, like, a fear of flight. You're kind of like, oh, I'm really about to go do this. You know, I'm really going to have to, you know, pay for it. I'm really going to have to put my money up for it. I'm really going to have to hustle for it or whatever it may be. There's always sometimes, like, this moment where you're almost unsure, like, oh, I'm really about to go do this, even though I've been talking about it for so long. And I kind of... Funny enough, I kind of like that space because it proves kind of some of the things that we talk about as people where it's like, hey, if you really want something, are you going to go and get it? Or are we just going to talk about you always having it? I mean, this is all relative, right? There are certain things that do take a monster amount of work and effort to achieve and to acquire. But the point of the what I'm trying to say is you're going to go for it. You're going to do it. And you're going to take the leap and you're going to enjoy your time doing it. And that is what really a lot about, I know you hear the airplane in the background. You know, I live near an airport, a small one, but you know, it's there. So sometimes little Cessnas, you know, come flying through as you can hear above me. So this was, this was a very big moment for me because and I know my wife, if she's listening to my episode, she'll probably be like, I really couldn't tell because it wasn't like, I'm not a person that's going to jump up and down. I take solace in almost internally just soaking in the moment. Now, obviously, we drove, and I'm going to get into the whole story. So, as you know, as I said in other previous episodes, I've been waiting for this GR Corolla since it got announced. And to kind of go back to give you some understanding of what this is, we got to kind of take a trip back. So I've owned my fair share of cars kind of growing up. I never, not all of them were done to the level that I've wanted to do them because I've said it before when I was doing my introduction, I like so many other things that sometimes my ideas of doing something on a car might got derailed because my desire to travel and experience the unknown led me out of the state so that I didn't have, I couldn't do that. I just sold the car, did something else. But I've come from cars that all have a very interesting background, 240SXs. That's like the Sylvie S13, the drifting. I then went into MK2 Volkswagens, which I didn't really speak about that, but I love that world. The boxy GTIs, the GLI, 16-valve engines, the VR6 swaps, BBS RS wheels, Recaro seats. I've done all of that. So those things to me were always something very enjoyable. I went from that to actually, for a number of years, nothing exciting. I was actually driving a car that my mother gave me, which was an Oldsmobile Alero, and for many years, I just had that car because it was it was free, you know, a free car. I'm not going to, you know, say no to. From there, I went to a Subaru WRX hatchback, and that was pretty much one of the best cars I ever had. It was really what has stirred me to have this GR Corolla. I After the WRX, I had an S2000. And the S2000 was amazing as well. Low-slung sports car, high-revving engine, Honda engineering at one of its best, one of, you know, a future classic. If it's not already a classic now, it's kind of down on pricing. It's going to shoot back up because that's never ha- it's not happening again. High-revving 9,000 RPM or 8,000 if you got the, you know, newer AP2 edition, four-cylinder, 420C, all naturally aspirated, 240 horsepower. I mean, it just was such a fun, fun car. But what I truly loved and what I truly wanted to always have and continue to have was an all-wheel drive hatchback. That's what I wanted. And obviously, when I sold the WRX because I was living in Hawaii at the time, and it just didn't make any sense. I was the only one driving. My wife at the time, she knew how to drive stick. 
and my wife at the time, my wife now, <laughs> it sounded like we weren't together. Um, she was just uncomfortable driving it. It didn't make much sense. So we got something else, sold that, got something else. Obviously, I got into the S2000. Then we had a third child. I saw an opportunity to sell it for a very good amount of money. And I bought a Jeep Grand Cherokee from there that got flipped into a Toyota Sequoia, which unfortunately got totaled. And then I went to go buy a brand new Sienna for my wife and the family. So I've been sitting on the sidelines waiting, okay? Many of the cars in between that I thought about. I'm a car lover at its core. I could drive an M3. I could dr- I can drive a GTI. I can drive an Integra Type R. I can look at a Sylvia S15. I like them all. So I was all over the place. Friends of mine had BMW 550Is. They might have had Civic SIs, you know, many other cars. And for a while, I couldn't make a decision. I was just kind of like, I really don't know what I'm going to get. I was like, I do want to get something fun because... I'll enjoy driving. I enjoy shooting content with cars. I want to be in the mix of auto shows, car meets, car clubs. And I needed something to kind of put myself back in that place, to look up aftermarket parts, to enjoy putting them on. Like I wanted to get back to that. And I didn't have anything. And nothing was coming out that would move me enough to say, that's what I want to do. Many things were just kind of like, eh, I don't really know about this. So I really didn't make any moves, and I looked at everything before the GR car. I mean, Elantra ends, Veloster ends, you know, the new WRX, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I went to go see it in person and drove one. It was like, it's not bad. It's just, it just looks cross-trekky. The rear bumper with the plastic moldings and the flares that you got to paint. I mean, it was just, Subaru just basically dropped the ball. And when they said they weren't making the STI anymore, I really was like, oh, it's over. So I went to go look at older STIs. My brother-in-law has a S209 STI, which is one of the greatest ones made. Very much a special edition, very much analog. Really, really nice. So I looked at the old STIs. I was like, you know, I can do that. But I also kind of was, I don't want to say I was over WRX or Subaru, I just really wanted something fresh and new. I wanted something that was new to the market that was going to have, I was going to be at the beginning of what they become and be able to watch the journey of how they, the aftermarket response to the car. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a part of something like that and be able to record the process and see and show people like, hey, look at where we came from or look what was developed and made for the car. And so... I think a short amount of time, like over a year ago, like there was rumblings of a hot hatch coming from Toyota that would fall under the GR branding. And the GR86 and the GR Super were already very good. So some people were like, if this is anywhere close to the GR Yaris, which is already available overseas, then we have a winner. And when they showed the GR Corolla, I couldn't even, it was like all my answers now i know somebody hearing this is like this man's talking like this is a porsche gt3 uh mclaren arturo however you say that new one uh you know sl sl like he i know i sound like i'm talking about something ultra special but it is ultra special and that's kind of the the fun thing about cars is like i know what bracket i'm in i don't necessarily aspire to have a huracan sto i love japanese cars And I also love everything else. But if you ask me where I'm going to go first, that's where I'm going to go. So when they announced this, I looked at it and said, this is everything I thought. My expectations, they far exceeded. When they were talking about a Corolla, I was like, they're probably going to make it front wheel drive. It might be a little spicy. Maybe they throw some engine in there. I don't know. Give it some more horsepower, turbocharger or something. I mean, I was like, I might consider it because the Corolla hatchback standard looked cool enough that I'm like, if they make it look cool enough, then, I mean, it could be a contender. It might not be exactly what I want, but it could be inexpensive and something kind of fun to tool around in. Then they showed what they did, and boy, did they answer the call. All-wheel drive, wide body, three-cylinder tow, bro, 300 horsepower. I mean, it was like... They saw what Subaru didn't do and said, we got gotcha. you. And did they get us? Because as soon as they announced this and I saw the pictures, 
the video, the live stream. I mean, I turned to my wife on the couch and was like, that's it. It's right there. I'm buying it. I don't care. I made messages to people with the car picture, exclamation points like it's copped. I called the next day and put deposits down at a car dealership. I'm calling everywhere. Funny enough, I actually didn't even buy the car where I actually put my deposit at because we're going to get into that in a minute. So this car is, this is it. It is everything I want. It's everything I want to do when it comes to modifying a car. It's such a great platform. Everything about it and what it means and what is going to be available to it is exactly what I was looking for. All-wheel drive is cherry on the top. Turbo three-cylinder engine is robust built. Also was built in Japan by the special, you know, manufacturing from Toyota that cares about these type of cars that are special. And one of the main things that goes missed is that this particular GR model is completely made by Toyota. And I'm not a Toyota-like fanboy. I've turned into a Toyota family with a Sienna and now a GR Corolla. But I like cars that are built with the heritage that the company is known for. And this is built not with the help of BMW like the Supra or the help of Subaru like the GR86 and a BRZ. This is them doing what they know how to do. And the package is great. It is just a lovely drive. So what's the drive like? Because then I'm going to circle back to where, where I got it from. The first time I drove this car was literally when I was at the dealership to pick it up. The nature of trying to get this car, there are no test drives, maybe in some other cities, but where I lived, it doesn't have that option. There's no, there is no driving or picking up this car. You cannot do that. You pretty much have to go there, sight unseen, buy it, and then you drive it. So the first time I drove was when I showed up at the dealership and the lot porter handed me the keys to it and I got inside of it and we went for a test drive. I actually didn't even need to take a test drive, but he was like, hey, you want to go look at the car, check it over. When I was going to get the car, I gave them some funny stipulations. I was kind of, I said, hey, I don't want you to drill the front bumper. I don't want you to take off any of the plastics. Do not wash the car. Just do the standard PDI and leave it as is. And most places are like, well, why'd you want to do that? But I, it, it was for a reason. I kind of wanted to be the first person to wash it. I wanted to do the PPF front end. I just didn't want them to do anything that I wouldn't do. I'm mostly going to hand wash and stuff. And so when I got there, we got the keys, we got inside. And first time I got into it, I'm looking at the car. He's showing me that all the things that came with the car are in the car, whether it's the floor mats and the, you know, cargo net, cargo mats, uh, the license plate holders in the rear. He's like, I didn't put it on the front bumper. I didn't drill the front bumper. I'm like, thank you. Perfect. I mean, this is the type of experience that I hear about where people call dealerships and give them specific orders and they abide by them. So I was especially happy that they ex did exactly what I asked them to do. We go to drive it. And more importantly, actually, when I first started it, I kind of knew this was this was really actually more special than I thought, at least, you know, to me. It started up, you get the right rumble, the right sounds. I had never heard one in person. I never felt one in person. And when you're driving it with the suspension, it's very stiff, very solid. It just felt so, so solid. The shifting was notchy and direct. The engine was responsive. I mean, obviously, I wasn't driving fast, nor could I get really high in the rev range. But I could just feel the low-end torque, and the low-end performance. So it just felt really, really solid. And from there, I just knew that I was like, this is a really special car. Like all the videos and all the information that they talked about saying, this is a special car. Like do not let the Corolla badge fool you. What Toyota did here and what they have coming later, this is a special car. This is something that you are going to want to have if you're in the market for it if this is something that you're looking for you want to have this there and this is something that you want to you know be around this is going to be one of the cars that we talk about so i drive the car i come back i'm pretty much i'm i was sold before i got there driving it i was just like this feels exactly like how i want and how i want it was something that got back to the ethos of the wrx and i mentioned this in a previous podcast those simple cars like the Evo 8s and 9s that were 
you know, pretty basic interiors. Nothing, I mean, it's nothing luxurious. You're not jumping inside of an E-Class or a BMW 7 Series. So it's nothing that's luxurious or technologically, you know, advanced. It's very simple. And the Evo is based on the Lance at the time, the WRX, the same thing, kind of more like the Impreza. So they're very simple interiors. They might have more higher end, you know, fabrics and materials on the seats when you get to the high-end models, like, say, the... I don't know, STI, the Evo MR edition, things like that. And that, and for the GR Corolla, the one for that would be the GR Corolla, the circuit edition, and things like that. So it was a very, very good feeling as far as what I felt when I was, you know, in the car. And it told me, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I wanted. I wanted something that felt stiff, solid on the road, all-wheel drive, manual, very, you know, simple, in the interior, but it still has all the technology you need. It has advanced cruise control, radar cruise control. It has wireless CarPlay. It has, you know, all those things, as I talked about, you know, in the audio that was just preceding this, um, me starting the official podcast. That was me initially in the first drive. And that, that excitement and that feeling was just, just permeated through the entire car. So we did the transaction. It was done clean. And we drove back home. And I mean, I mean, it was a long day. Five hours there, five hours back. In between that, we stopped at Chick-fil-A, let the kids stretch their legs, play in the playground. My wife took a nap in the car. I'm pretty much buzzing with excitement still. So I'm like up. But I mean, obviously, the following day, I like passed out because I was like, yo, I'm exhausted. Like now it finally caught up to me that I'm actually tired because we had gone literally from 3.30 in the morning on a Friday all the way until midnight, you know, or 11 p.m. or something that Friday. So it was a long, long day, but well worth it. You know, it's just, it just shows that, you know, I was a person I was willing to do whatever I had to to get it. That That's kind of what it was. I was driving wherever I had to go. And I drove there because where I initially had my deposit was at a dealership that was an MSRP dealership. And the reason why that matters is because Everywhere to buy this GR Corolla, it is a battle of markup. Similar to the very first podcast episode I had talking about ADM and markup, it, that that's what it was. It's like everywhere you go when they had this car, it was 15000 over, 20000 over, seven, eight, nine, twenty. I mean, it was just outrageous. Now, a lot of people thought it would be an easy transition because they're like, oh, it's Toyota. It's going to be easy. They just sell Camrys and Highlanders. They're going to be easy to deal with, but because they don't get special cars at this level, even though they have two other models of some excellent sports cars with the Supra and the GR86, everybody that got this Corolla was just like, oh no, it's, it's a special, I mean, they were going crazy. And so I was number eight on this list. And though it was an MSRP dealership and where I bought my car, I got exactly the same price, very close to it. So I, I won either way. I just, I was, the stars aligned, okay? I searched for this car in the Toyota Tracker. I saw it in this dealership. I called them. Nobody had called about it. I put my name down for it, and the rest is history, basically, within a matter of weeks. And the tracker that I had was telling me the car was still allocator in production. They called me, and they're like, your car is here. And I'm like, yo, it's go time. But the reason why I was looking around so much is because the way that Toyota gives out these cars or any car for that matter is very much luck of the draw. It's, um, there's no, you can't order the car. I can't say I want a white one or a black one or a blue one or a green one with this, with this interior color, this stitching, these options. You don't have that option. What you can say is I kind of prefer a black one or a red one or a white one, which are the three colors available. And a Toyota dealership will come around and say, okay, cool. We will see if we get one of those. We would tell Toyota that we would prefer one of those. They'll send us whatever they want. Now, magnify that or times that by 100 when it comes to a car that is not even made at the magnitude of Camrys, Highlanders, and RAV4s. Now you have something that is they're only making 5000 5000 to 6000 for the first year. The next following years, they're going to do, they see like up to 8000 I'm a person that's on the fence about that because I don't trust car manufacturers. Things change. Even when you have a CEO who recently stepped down, who is adamant on keeping exciting cars in the lineup, I just know how things can change. Things can shift. 
the world can change, the economy shifts, the, the company's forecast shifts. They decide that they want to be the leader in another market. We got electric cars and hybrid cars leading the way. So something is soon to change. So they could very well just said, hey, we know we, we, we did say we're going to do eight, but we're done now. And so I never wanted to be caught in, you know, the crosshairs of a company deciding to change direction. And then I'm stuck fighting the aftermarket for cars that are priced ridiculous because everybody knows you're looking at the last batch. And so because you can't order nothing and because you have to essentially wait, I knew that I'd be waiting even longer. The dealership I had my deposit at only had received one GR Corolla, and that was in November. And it's February, and I was number eight on the list. And so I was asking, like, you know, realistically, what does this look like for me? If you're getting one car every four to five months or even six months, and I'm talking maybe next year, and that is if they get blessed with a massive, you know, delivery of, say, six cars, five cars. And what makes it rough or interesting is that you don't know if those cars are going to have exactly the package that you want. See, I wanted I wanted the performance pack and I wanted the technology pack. Those are kind of the two I wanted. If I had to go with just one pack, it'd be the performance pack. But having the tech pack was really the icing on the cake. And then mine does not have the cold weather package, which I did not want because eventually I will change out the front seats. And changing out the front seats would have removed the heated seats. And then I would have had buttons on the dash that said heated seats and I'd been annoyed staring at them. But that's just another like pet peeve thing. But seeing this car, the car that I got had everything I wanted. It was the reason why it had to happen. I went for it because I just knew, I said, I don't have any guarantees of what's about to happen next. I've been talking about this car for a year. I really don't want to wait another year. I, I don't want to wait any longer. And I shouldn't have to wait any longer. I mean, not saying it shouldn't like, oh, I deserve this. I've, I've worked hard. It was more so if there's a window for me to take advantage of getting the car in the earlier time or within a time frame where I can enjoy the car and do the things I want to do with it, then I'm going to go for it. And that's how this happened. So I didn't get it for where I normally did my deposit. There are many people on that list. I already pulled my name off of it because ultimately I want the other people to have a better chance at getting it. I didn't want to wait another year and have a two year wait on something. And then in the meantime, I'm not driving what I want to. And the car that I do normally drive, I kind of rent out to make money. So it was kind of like a double-edged sword. I'm over here trying to make money on the side, trying to start business ideas. And then I need this other car to kind of drive around. It, you know, it's just back and forth. But regardless, I'm happy I have it now. And the wait was well, well worth it. And that's, I mean, those are the reasons why I was so excited about the car. I mean, I just wanted it for that reason. Going from the previous cars I had to having to track down the car. I'm on the forums. I'm talking for a while to everybody trying to find out where things are at. And it's just been an enjoyable time. So, breaking. You know, let's just jump into that. The car needed 621 miles to break in. It's an odd number. I think the Sienna was like 1,000 or 500. It was 1,000, I think. Or maybe I've been 500, but it's, it was an odd number, right? So, you know, you can't go over, they don't want you to drive aggressive, really don't try to go high speed, don't stay, in, don't stay at sustained speeds for a long time, i.e. highway driving. So when I was driving back from the dealership, I had to kind of try my best to modulate the throttle, as you heard in the audio, because, I mean, what was I going to do? I'm like, I'm on the highway, so you can do so much that keeps you safe and not in a dangerous state, you know, when you're, when you're driving. So the 621 mile braking, it was easy. I mean, I drove here, drove it to work a couple times, run some errands, you know, kind of modulate the throttle. You're going through the gears, you're downshifting a bit, your engine braking, you're getting to going to the back rows, you know, give it, you know, different speeds. So I was able to, you know, work my way through that and get it higher up. I plan to perform kind of a fluid change at a thousand miles. What I was going to do the first time was just the oil. I haven't talked to some people that are interested in the car, too, and a few people on the forum that had changed all the fluids. Everybody's kind of like, I'm just going to change the diff, the transmission, and the oil, and just have peace of mind and be done. And then from there, I'll go and do, you know, go about it the same way I was before. And I was like, 
you know, I kind of didn't want to have to go through the transmission and the diff, you know, angle because I kind of thought it wasn't necessary. But hearing about it and just knowing how I am, the peace of mind I'll have by just changing everything is probably what I'm going to do. And I want to record it. So I'm trying to really figure out a way to do it so I can record everything really well because that is going to be. I want to have it to be a video that people can refer to and reference and say, that is how you do that change. I want to do that. I guess one of the things I could do is there are places out here that do like, you know, you can work on your own car, just bring it there. You can put it on the lift, do what you need to do. So I might do something. I might try to find a place like that and do that because I don't have a lift, though. I do have my own driveway and jack stand. So I can also do that, too. I mean, I can do it on driveway. Which, who knows? We'll see what's easier. But after the 621 miles, <laughs> we got into the rev range, okay? Let me tell you something. The car is fast. Now, when I say fast, I'm not talking fast is relative, right? Twin turbo Mustangs are fast. Huracan, twin turbo Huracans are fast. Supercharged. X, Y, and Z is fast. Single turbo, tur you know, BMW. So there are people that are going to hear this who got truly monster cars. I'm like, they ain't fast. I know what fast is. Fast is 1100 at the wheel. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's all relative. Fast car. I'll just say it's a quick car. All right. Because I know that that whole word fast, quick, everybody gets all, you know, they get up in a tizzy about it. All right. Everybody relax. Car's a good time. I enjoy the fact that even at a high when you're at highway speeds and you're in top gear, it has enough torque and power to kind of merge and get out of the way of people. That is one of the things I like. It keeps the RPMs pretty high, 60, 70 miles an hour, probably sitting at like a little under 3,000 or something around that nature. Boost really probably kicks in, I feel like 3,500, but it's probably closer to like 3,800 and going into 4,000. But it still has enough torque to move the car out of its way when you are, you know, driving you know, on the highway. So it's very, very comfortable, very easy to drive. And the performance feels great. I mean, the handling, going around corners, I mean, planted. And I'm only doing on-ramps at, let's say the on-ramp is 45. I'm doing it at 65. Planted. I'm not going aggressive. I'm not going crazy. At some point in the future, I am going to go to an HPDE event, which is a high-performance driving education, because I want to. I do want to know more about driving the car, really seeing how it performs as opposed to just trying to drive everything on the street. And I want to be educated on it and, you know, just learn some more about what I'm doing. So that's going to happen soon when they have another event near where I live. But getting close to basically at a thousand miles, I'm at now like 940. I know it's not exactly a thousand. We're rounding it up. A thousand sounds better than a 940. We already know this. That's what comes titles, you know. So up to this point, everything has been even better. The stiff ride and suspension is more like a solid ride. I don't want to say stiff and it sound like it's uncomfortable. I'm 6'3", 240, and I'm comfortably in the car. I can put my feet, I can put my seat where I need it, bring the steering wheel closer to me. It could go a little bit closer. I wish it did telescope a little bit further in. Maybe there's something in the future where I could probably extend it I don't know, but it could come a little bit closer. It's not terrible, so it's fine. But if it had like another inch or two, that would be awesome. Backseat space is something that people have talked about a lot that have kids. They're like, oh, how much is the backseat? How big is the backseat? Backseat to me is fine. I fit all three of my kids, one who's two years old, who's in a car seat, a four-year-old and a nine-year-old. Four-year-old was in a booster seat, nine-year-old behind me. My wife is in the front seat. She moved her seat up. The baby girl was behind her. She had a little feet on the on the back of the seat, and we comfortably made it all the way to dinner. Now, would I do this all the time? No. It was really a test to see if I needed to grab them, all three of them, or do anything of that nature to bring them. I could put them in the car. Now, obviously, what I probably will end up doing is trying to find maybe a solution for like another car seat maybe that I keep in the car for the girl or it's just something where that I can take out of the garage or something and put into this car instead of taking everything out of the van every time I need to do it that way if I do have to get them I can quickly just say hey I got everything put them in the car and let's go so we'll see how that we'll see if we do something like that it may not be necessary but 
I drove it with the family. Great power, even with with five people in it. They're not heavy, so obviously it's just kids and you know my wife. So it's not like we're weighing down the car, but it doesn't. It's not bogged down. We're not dealing with a car that has to be high in the rev range. Now it is kind of geared towards more high rev range when it comes to how the power is delivered with the turbo, but it still feels solid. It feels very good as far as how you're moving, how you're interacting. The shifts are solid, notchy, which I like. So I'm probably going to do even further when the aftermarket catches up and they do maybe like bushing or kit or bushing kit or short shifter kit. I'm going to actually probably do um, even more. So I'm probably going to have a further, you know, not your feel or do something that makes it even more direct. And I also want to get like a taller shift knob, taller, you know, I say stock, but where do the shift knob screws into? Basically, make it raise up the height of it because that would be nice as well, too. So I plan to do something around that nature. But this is, I mean, the power of it is great. The handling is awesome. The way it feels and the solidness of the construction. Audio is nice. I have the JBL audio system. I'm mentioning this because there are some people that came on and said, the joint sounds like trash, it's not good. I don't know if anybody's not equalizing their music i don't know if they don't listen if they listen to higher quality bit rate on their music a lot of that plays a major part into how this thing is going to sound so for me it sounds good but i listen to high quality bit rate music because i'm a very very big music person and that matters i equalize the music i adjust things so if you spend your time with the audio system to adjust it to the music you like and listen to, it is very capable and very good sounding because it's also in a smaller car. I don't really feel any need to change it later. So it's fine to me for now. Maybe later if I want to get even higher fidelity in it, I might change it up or do something different with it. The one thing I do dislike is a lack of storage. And that more dislike is probably because I came from um, being in a minivan a lot of times. And I'm so used to so many cubbies and bridges and pockets and all that. I got into this car. I couldn't even find a place to really put my sunglasses. I was like, you want to put my sunglasses? Where am I going to put my little bag here? And most of it you can put in the glove compartment. But there is, I mean, it does need like some center console cubby or something. Hopefully somebody comes up with something. It just needs a little something. Like something in the middle it would have. But guess why it doesn't have it? It's because there's no armrest. And I know I already talked about that. <laughs> but if it had an armrest, it would have probably a cubby storage. It could just use a little bit more. Just a little something in the middle. Perfect. So I'm hoping that maybe somebody who comes up with a solution for the armrest gate <laughs> is going to have something that you can store a little something in. So if you live in a state like I do where we have right to carry, there's another thing that would be nice to be able to store somewhere some, you know, when you need to. That's another story. So if another solution comes out for that, it'll be great as well, but nothing for nothing at the moment. That's probably like the that's probably like the biggest dislike. Oh, hold on. There's another one. It's not a dislike, it's just a weird quirk. I had to get used to the idea that the LED lights on this car have like a divot in the light spread when you see it hit the ground where I thought something was wrong with the lights. Like it looks like there's a letter V or a W somewhere in the light line. And I thought my lights were like broken. I read online that that is by design. I haven't confirmed it completely, but it was really messing with me as I was driving. I'm like, yo, what's up with the lights? Why do I see a little spot in the middle? And somebody said that is there so that you don't blind the cars coming towards you. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's what I'm looking at. I don't really know. I kind of dislike it because the Sienna doesn't have that on its led lights it's a straight line so i don't i don't know maybe that's just i'm not a, i didn't design the light so i don't know so maybe that is what i do like is what i definitely like is the size of the car i'm a person though i'm tall i'm not a person that really cares for overly large cars i'm not a i need four door luxurious back seat because i'm not back there i'm driving a car so i can drive smaller cars and enjoy them i like the nimbleness to be able to go in and out so I love hatchbacks, so I'm always a fan of that. Could it be a little bit bigger? I mean, obviously, it's not the size of like a WRX, so it could be a little bit bigger. But regardless, the size that it is, is a very good size, and I love it for that. The rear part of the cargo area, though, has like a platform that raised up what was originally a flat floor due to the all-wheel drive setup, and they moving the battery actually to the back. That part I dislike and feel like, 
the aftermarket or somebody's going to come up with a solution where you can kind of relocate the battery off to the side, make kind of like a, maybe make a cutout in the, you know, cargo tray or floor, and then kind of encase the battery, maybe like in a box and then drop the floor down. And you can kind of gain back the six or eight inches you lost in height by bringing it down. And once they, and I know somebody's probably going to think this, think, think of this, or maybe I will, and I'll just be the first person to do it. But if that happens, you'll gain a lot back when it comes to how much space you have in the rear. But I already transported two, you know, big, I think they're called elephant ear plants. I don't know what they were, but my wife's, there's some plants, she's a plant person, and there's some plants in Costco that she loves that were at a huge better price than we normally can get at this, when they're this big. And I grabbed two of them things and transported them inside of the back seat of the Corolla. And the plants standing up are about five, eight, five, nine at the top where the leaves ended. So, hey, they fit in there. Even, I mean, it dropped some dirt in the car. I vacuumed it up, so it's no big deal. But those fit. So you can haul some stuff. I don't even have the seats down. So you put the seats down, you can really get a lot of stuff in there. Tires, seats, tools. I mean, you're not going to do a Home Depot run with, with all the two-by-fours, but you can make some things happen. So the cargo space with the hatchback is very good. It's, the floor obviously isn't as flat and low as, say, like even my like Honda Fit or maybe a WRX, but you can make a lot of things happen inside of this hatchback, and it's very good for that. So I haven't fully used it, but, uh, you know, it's going to happen. The future of the car, and I'm not going to make this episode very long like the last one. I feel like I'm going to have some more coming up, but definitely when it comes to the more longer I have the car and the more things I do with it, but... The future of the car is as bright as ever. Companies like Varus, Gretti, HKS. I'm 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 naming all the JDM manufacturer, and there are a ton of American-based manufacturers. I don't know all of their names. The future for this car is bright. And Australia and all the other companies who've had the GR Yaris are also making the parts for this Corolla. And anybody in the aftermarket scene knows that very rarely do brand new sport compact you know, cars come out that you can sink your aftermarket teeth into. A lot of times we only got the established people there. The GRs 86 and the FRS and the BRZ and the Super have been around for a while. So those cars are well known and established. The Subarus, the um, S2000, certain Honda cars. So there are some manufacturers that have new cars, but a lot of them don't get a brand new model. The FL5 Civic Type R is another one that has is going to have a huge aftermarket. And so will this. And so we don't always get a moment where we have something brand new that new parts can come out to. So for the future of this, I can't wait to see the front carbon fiber lips, the side skirt extensions, the hoods. The wings is a big deal because this car needs a wing in the back, at least for my taste. And the type of wing that it could use and really function well with is like, kind of like the wrc style wing i want something that's a little bit aggressive not overly aggressive but just kind of something that sits on the rear hatch reminds me of like kind of like the rally spec cars where they had them subaru wrx stis had a one that was formed like that in the gr corolla circuit edition has one that comes up like that too because the circuit edition is kind of like the same thing as the core though it has this carbon fiber forged roof a different hood better interior material same seats and everything, and you kind of get all the packages for it. The only thing, though, is I don't really care to get the circuit edition because I didn't care. I didn't want to have to deal with a carbon roof. And the interior pieces, I can all get. Like, we found out that you can just VIN number all those parts and just get the seat covers for the rear, and I'm changing out the front seat, so it don't really matter. It's not that's It wasn't a big enough sell for me. But the wing on the circuit edition is very nice and cool, kind of like sits in the middle of the rear glass on the hatch, it kind of moves up. So kind of flat to the roof, a little bit higher. So that's a very cool design. And I hope they make something like that. The exhausts that are going to come out, the intakes, I mean, performance mods are coming. I'm not going to really touch the engine as far as opening up or adding anything that's bigger for turbos or that. But I'm sure I'll add an intake, definitely add an exhaust. I don't really know if front mounts, any of that is really necessary. I'm going to try to keep it very clean. If I do anything that touches the engine, is it if it's safe and doesn't void warranty for what I have at the time being, I will do a tune and things like that. But if anything, 
I'll just do an exhaust first just to get the sound I want and maybe an intake to get the sound that's coming in. But other than that, I'll just keep that the same. If intake and an exhaust together force me to have to tune something with the ECU, I might back off from it and just say I'm not going to do that right now. If it, you know, usually with the intake it does because of how much more air is coming in and things to the mass airflow sensor, speed sensor, whatever it has in the car, I don't know. Some of that changes, and when you add that, you need to then upgrade and tune things on the on the ECU, which I don't want to have to touch right now because it's too early in the game for that. I'll wait till the warranty, three years, 36,000 miles, whatever it is, is completely done, and then we can dive into the other things like that. So the future is bright. It's something I've waited for. I have can't wait to shoot content on it, talk about it more. This episode obviously is only the first thousand miles, and I mean, so far so good. Car performs well, the power is great, driving is fun, the handling is great. It just feels really good. Now I'm probably gonna I'll dive a little bit further into it. Oh, actually, no, you know what? No, I what I dove into it here on the podcast is essentially what I'm gonna do on a video when I go talk about it and throw it up on YouTube. It's gonna be the same. I'm gonna talk about the same thing because it's only a thousand miles, so I'm not gonna like really sit down and tell you like, listen. This is it. I'm going to break down the engineering of how this performs. It just feels really good the first thousand miles. It has a great power, great comfortability. Um, I love the technology in it. The Toyota Sense 3.0 that comes with the, you know, cross traffic alert, the advanced, you know, radar cruise control, all those little things that some people scoff at, like, I don't need that in my car. Hey, they're good to have. I like having it. I like driving on the freeway, being able to put radar cruise control on if I'm not going nowhere crazy and letting it do its thing. I like having the alerts and the blind spot thing. I mean, safety things I'm all for. I don't nece- I don't necessarily need I can drive a car that's, you know, road caged out with the removable steering wheel like the best like the rest of them or anybody else that likes that because I like it too. But hey, I'm not gonna knock the daily and the driving one that I'm in most of the time having this thing too. So this was very nice to have. Audio system sounds good. And what the future holds is what makes me so excited about the car. And it's going to be exciting to document. It's going to be exciting to uncover. It's going to be exciting to enjoy with my friends, people I meet that have the car. I'm waiting for the crew of the people where I live that want this car to grow and more people get it. And I want to keep talking about it and showing the videos and using my platforms that I have that I'm trying to form and do throughout this year to then kind of spearhead the creative side of what I want to do when it comes to content creation and audio and video and everything in between. So it's been good. This is car quicks car quicks with a GR Corolla. Now that's how you gotta, that's how you gotta, that's how you gotta talk to me, but do as you wish, do as you may. This is car quicks, your host, and I'll see y'all around.